Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you that you helped me to get connected. And Father, we desperately need you. We need your guiding hand in our lives. We need your power to be overcomers. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us. In the name of Jesus, amen. To begin with just a little review of what we've talked a little bit this week, and then we'll go in further to our message tonight. Fadi has shared with us about a fascinating study about monkeys who had their fingers sewn together. And they discovered through that that things that fire together, that were firing over and over and over together, that things that fire together end up wiring together. And she gave the illustration of cigarettes and how the first time you've had a cigarette, I mean, before you've ever had a cigarette, nobody says, nobody who's never smoked, there's never been a person who's never smoked who just thought, man, I could really use a cigarette. You never need a cigarette until you try one. And then you try two and three and four and a hundred and a thousand. And those things that begin to fire together by the actions that you, you know, uh, partake in, they end up wiring together. So we saw that there. Then we also saw something about the mirror neurons, studies in the 1990s in Parma, Italy, on, on this scientist who scientists who were scanning the brains of monkeys. And as the monkeys were eating the peanuts, they were seeing that registering in the motor cortex of the brains of these monkeys. And then one of the researchers reaches out, grabs a peanut, the monkey sees him do it. It registers in his brain if he's actually the one doing the eating of the peanut. So this was the accidental discovery of mirror neurons. And we've been talking about how these things, how what we look at registers in our brain is if we are the ones doing what we are looking at. And how important it is then for us to spend time in God's word so that our minds will become like the mind of Christ. Like one of our scripture texts for this week, Philippians 2 verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. So how do we acquire this mind? It is not natural, but it is supernatural as we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at his life, our lives are changed into his image, into his character. So I'm going to talk to you about starting over, the science of being born again, the science of being born again. And when you think of being born again, there's no passage of scripture that is more straight to the point than John chapter 3. Many people, when they think of the New Testament, the most popular verse in the New Testament, immediately they think of John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but that he should have eternal or everlasting life. I mean, what a, what a beautiful thought. But that verse is not an island. That verse comes from a discussion with a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the name itself, comes from the word, the same root word that we get the word Nike from, victory, where we think of the you know brand of clothing or shoes. And this comes from this ancient word, Nike, that has to do with victory. And Nicodemus, Demas, is where we get the, the 
root for democratic. So we have, and democratic has to do with the people. And so victory of the people. We are actually told, fascinatingly enough, Josephus, one of the uh, great ancient historians, he was a Jewish historian, he actually tells us that there was Nicodemus was extremely wealthy, so wealthy, in fact, that he actually, it said, could have taken care of the whole city of Jerusalem for 10 years on his own finances. He was unbelievably wealthy. This man, though he was wealthy, he had everything the earth could offer. He seemed to be in his heart looking for something more. He still hadn't found I was just in a I was just in a store today we were buying some things for the house and uh, just a you know like a ace hardware and while we were in there they had that old song I still haven't found what I'm looking for by a multimillionaire interesting and Nicodemus hadn't found what he was looking for even though he had all the money that humanity could you know offer he yet was still seeking something more and he sought to have a a, a interview with Jesus. And as he sat with him, he he actually did it by night. And it says in John chapter three, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, that means truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this man comes to Jesus by night seemingly because he's, he's trying to maybe, he doesn't want everybody to know. He's one of what we call the Sanhedrin, the top religious authority in the Israelite community. And this man, he comes before Jesus because he sees in him something that he doesn't have. Well, it's not his money because Jesus doesn't have almost any money. He's a wandering homeless man. But he's working miracles and he's preaching the word of God with power and conviction and with the life that backs what he's speaking about. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, well, we know that you're an incredible teacher come from God because nobody could do all these things that you're doing except God is with him. And Jesus says to him something incredible. Keep in mind that this man is a religious leader. He's wealthy and Jews believed that if you were wealthy and successful, God was with you. But yet this man is asking Jesus, he says, you know, you must be close to God. And Jesus says, except you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's an interesting way of beginning his response to this man. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, sometimes we don't even recognize. We don't even have the capacity to understand the things of God. We can't even see it. And I remember I was at this point in my life and I was in, I guess I was probably in college at this point, either at the end of high school or the beginning of college. And I was moving furniture for a furniture company to make a living during school. And in the midst of this, one of the other, one of my coworkers was leaving the job because he was leaving to go to seminary to become a minister. And when I heard that, the basic feeling of my heart that this guy was leaving, you know, work, not that this was the goal for the rest of our lives working here at the time, it wasn't, but he was leaving to go into ministry to become like a pastor. And my my heart thought was, 
What a waste of life. Why would you do that? Why would you go into ministry like that? And because I couldn't at that time see the kingdom of God. I wasn't born again. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't even understand it. You don't, you don't understand. There are people who maybe you go to church and you see someone up front or, or someone singing or someone who shares a testimony on how God has changed their life. And, and you sometimes maybe people wonder, is he faking it? Is she faking it? I, I just don't get it. Or you think, maybe it's just not me. I'm just not real religious. Maybe that's just how they are, but God didn't make me religious. Maybe I'm just not made to be saved. But that's not not the truth. I was the very same way. I wasn't interested in spiritual things. And yet something changed my life. Just like Jesus speaking to Nicodemus said, you need to be born again. It goes on to say in this passage, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, do you think Nicodemus really thought that's what Jesus was talking about? Not at all. He's kind of trying to shift the discussion because it, it hit close to home. Jesus was telling this guy, keep in mind, Nicodemus has probably always paid his tithe his entire life. He's kept God's holy day since he was a child. He is an upstanding citizen. He is successful. He's never eaten anything that the Jewish people were not supposed to eat. And so this man should be a shoe into heaven. And yet Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Not, not, not just that you can't go there. You can't even see it. And Nicodemus is like kind of trying to, sh sh you know, sh deflect the issue here because what is Jesus talking about? But Jesus comes back in verse 5 by saying, Jesus, this is John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. He said, unless you're born again, you can't even see it. You don't even get it. If you're not born again, you don't understand spiritual issues. And the second time he says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. But here he says, you need to be born of two things, the water and of the spirit. Now, Nicodemus understood that the water here was the water baptism. John has just been baptizing people. People's lives are being changed as they're repenting from their sins. John understands that in order to give your life fully to Jesus, we should choose to be baptized, where we're brought to the river or we're brought to a watering area where there's enough water where we are brought down under the water and we repent of all our sins and it's symbolically washed away it's like we die as we go under the water we're only there for a split second but it's symbolic of death in that water and coming back up into newness of life and jesus was teaching this to john or to nicodemus here and he said he needed to be born of water and of the spirit Meaning, if we're going to be changed in life, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need God to do something more. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So thinking about this, we, we, it goes on further from here. And it says in verse 7, Jesus says to Nicodemus, 
Marvel not. That means don't be surprised. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Then he says, the wind blows where it lists or where it will. And you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell whence it comes and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Now, if you've never had an experience with God, this may be kind of confusing. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit works on every human heart, whether someone is in the, you know, jungles of South America, whether someone is in the Serengeti there in Africa, never heard the, the, the message of Jesus Christ, never heard the name Jesus. Yet the Bible teaches that all across the world there's a Holy Spirit that works on everyone's hearts. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is like a is like wind, wind in the trees. I lived in Iceland for a year. And while living in Iceland, when I first got there in January, the wind was unbelievably powerful. I got off the plane. Uh, we were getting, got out of the airport, stood on the, on the probably concrete, but it was ice at the time. And the wind was so intense that it literally, I was sliding because of the pressure of the wind pushing me along. And it was very intense. And I said to the people who are picking us up from the airport, I said, is it always this intense here? And they said, yes. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, man, what have I gotten into? This is intense. And uh, for months, it was that intense. The wind was unbelievably powerful. And then one particular day, we were eating breakfast, and it seemed eerily strange. It was very awkward. What, there's something not right, and I couldn't tell what it was. And finally, it struck us as we were eating breakfast. The trees aren't whipping back and forth like they normally are. There was a day that didn't seem to have all this intense wind. Now, on a day that there's not intense wind, does that mean there's absolutely no wind? No. There's always some wind, even if it's too small to feel there's always some breeze even if you can't feel it and it's like that with the holy spirit the holy spirit that sometimes has wind that's so powerful in your life in your life maybe you're at some meeting or you're a part of a week of prayer or whatever it is and the holy spirit is powerfully impacting your heart and then there are other days where you don't see the power of the holy spirit you don't see this great intense wind all around you but that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not working on those days. The Holy Spirit is always there. Sometimes we see it more powerfully, and other times it is simply a still, small voice. And Jesus said it's like that. The wind blows where it will, and you hear the sound there, but you can't tell what, whence it comes and whether it goes. Just like you don't see wind in the trees, you see the effect of the wind. So too with the Spirit. You don't see the Holy Spirit, but you can sense, feel the power of the spirit in your life and thinking about this this man his life was about to be changed by jesus his life was almost transformed by jesus but not this day later on he seemed to really give his life to god we see that at the end of the gospel but i want to look at this issue of being born again jesus tells us here he said in verse six that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. What does that mean? Now, we're here. I'm not there, but you're in a medical clinic. And maybe I don't know that babies are born here, but in, in a standard hospital, a baby might be born. And when a baby is born, babies are born 
according to the Bible, of the flesh, meaning they are born to their fleshly mother. Their fleshly mother had her own struggles with sin, and so did their earthly father. And when they are born, they have the desires of the flesh, meaning human beings have cravings for the things of this world. When a baby is hungry, it doesn't quietly wait for its mother to feed it, typically. What does it do? It cries, because that's its nature, right? When it doesn't like something, it cries. When it goes to the bathroom and it has a dirty diaper, it cries, because we are born of the flesh with certain cravings and desires and we want those cravings fulfilled and we want them really we want them now right and jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh but that which is born of the spirit is spirit you need to be born again what does this mean paul gives us more insight into actually what this means in john chapter 8 or romans chapter 8 rather romans chapter 8 verse 5 6 and 7 in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, 6, and 7, Paul gives us an understanding of what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. We're looking in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. He says, for they that are, what does it mean to be after the flesh, to be born of the flesh? He says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So Paul tells us, listen, do you want to know what it means to be of the flesh? Very simple to understand. To be of the flesh means you think continually about fleshly things. You think about things of the world. So if your mind is constantly going to worldly things, you know that you're of the flesh. But on the other hand, if your mind thinks about spiritual things, you know that you're in the spirit. This is what the scriptures reveal. And then he says... For to be carnally, carnally is to be fleshly. In, in the Spanish language, anyone who knows Spanish, meat or flesh is called carne, carne, right? Or where we get the word carnal, right? Same root word. And so this is the flesh. They, it says for to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We told you, we shared with you from Jeremiah that God has a plan, a goal, a purpose for your life to be that you would be whole, that you would have a future and a hope. And this says when you're spiritually minded, you end up having life and peace. And then it says in verse seven, but the carnal because the carnal mind is enmity or at war against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So the Bible says that the carnal mind wars against God. So, and then it says that it's not subject to God's law. So the way that we're born is contrary to God's law. The way that we're born is we don't actually like the things of God's law. That's why when, when I heard a guy at work say, that he was going to go into ministry, my thought was, why would you waste your life doing that? We don't get it. By nature, it doesn't even make sense to us that someone would want to be spiritual. We don't get it. And the Bible says that we are naturally against the law of God. So if you're the kind of person who, and the law of God, by the way, is more than just the Ten Commandments. The law of God in totality is the Word of God, right? And if you don't like to read the Bible and you don't read the Bible, that's normal. That's totally natural. 
And the reason we most people don't read the Bible is because they don't like to read it. And why don't they like to read it? Because that's natural until we're born again. When we are born again, God actually brings us to the point where instead of disliking the Bible, which is natural, we actually begin to love the word of God, which is unnatural. It's actually supernatural. So you may think, okay, you're the kind of person who likes to read the Bible. That's just who you are. That's just kind of like your DNA. Your family is like that, right? That's not the way I was. I didn't want to read the Bible. I had zero interest in reading the Bible, but something happened. I was challenged by an atheist. I, I met a guy who did not believe in the Bible. He, he, to me, seemed like he was on the way to becoming a cult leader. He had these people kind of following him, and it seemed like almost doing what he said. And, and he wanted to show uh, that I was a foolish Christian because I believed in God, though I had zero desire to follow him or read his Bible. And if you asked me, are you a Christian, I would have said yes. But I was as much of a Christian as that time as I am an astronaut today. You might be thinking, uh, I didn't know that you were an astronaut. Well, I'm, I'm not. But what if, what if you said to me, Chad, what do, you, what, do you, what do you do? I say, I'm an astronaut. And you say, oh, really? You work for NASA? Well, no. Uh, did, or did you like take astrophysics or something? Never, actually. Never even took a physics class. Uh, so what makes you an astronaut? Do you somehow work in that field? Well, no. Well, what makes you an astronaut? And I say, I'm an astronaut in my heart. Now, if I told you that, you would think this guy is ridiculous. I'm an astronaut in my heart. But I would have told you the same thing. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't pray. I didn't think about God. And I didn't want to think about God. But I believed in Jesus. And I believe he died for the sins of the world. And if you would have asked, are you a Christian? I would have said yes. And you would have said, how are you a Christian? I would have said, in my heart. But that was really a cop-out. That was really kind of a cover for the fact that I wasn't following Jesus at all, right? And back to this illustration here. So thinking about this for a moment, that I wasn't walking with God at all, but yet I claimed to be. And we could do the very same thing, but... We need to be, according to the Bible, born again. So if you don't like to read the Bible, that's totally normal. But this atheist challenged me. He tried to make me look like a fool, and he actually did. He did a really good job of it. I got to hand it to him. And I don't even know his name. And if I saw him today, I wouldn't even know him. But he challenged me. He said, so you believe in the Bible? And I said, yes. He said, tell me the Ten Commandments. Whoa, you're not expecting that out of an atheist. And I said, uh, uh, well, uh, I guess I really don't know the Ten Commandments. He's like, you're, you're Christian? You don't even know the Ten Commandments? Yeah, I guess that looks pretty ridiculous, huh? He said, so you're a Christian? I said, yes. He said, do you believe in the Bible? I said, yes. He said, have you ever read it? Uh, uh, no. He said, how do you believe a book you've never even read? And I thought about it, and I thought, uh, yeah, I Yes, I look like a total, I don't know, dunce. I'll say it nicely. <laughs> and, and, uh, but I decided that day nobody was ever going to ask me that question again, and I would say no. I was going to go home and read the Bible fully out of pride just so nobody could ask me that question again, and I look like a fool. So I began from that day forward spending time pretty much every day 
reading the Bible. I would, I was in college and I would sit down and I would do my, my studies and I, I had to study like five hours every night. Maybe I'm a little slow or maybe some professors give way too much studies, you know, uh, way too much reading, maybe a little bit of both, but nevertheless. So I'd read every night and, and as I was studying, I would take like a half an hour off to chew tobacco and read the Bible. And so that's what I would do day after day after day. I'd be chewing my tobacco and reading my Bible. I didn't know that the Bible said that you should, you know, in first Corinthians three, first Corinthians six, that your body is the temple of God and we shouldn't destroy our bodies. I didn't know that I got there sooner or later. Right? <laughs> uh, but so there I was chewing my tobacco and reading the Bible through and through that process of spending time day by day by day in God's word, it began to change me. It began to transform my life. My character began to change. Finally, at one point, when I did find out, somebody actually shared with me 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, where it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And then 1 Corinthians 3 says, Don't destroy your body, right? Because the body is to be the temple of God. And when I saw these things, it was that very night that I pulled out of my, my pocket the tin of chewing tobacco, and I threw that stuff out. And from that day forward, God gave me victory because I realized something that night that not only I wanted to quit. I really did. I tried over and over and over and over, but I couldn't. But for the first time, I realized not only did I want to quit, Jesus wanted me to quit. And then he gave me the victory over that. And so, but it was through the process of reading the Bible and you say, okay, what does this all have to do with being born again? Remember, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And Peter, you may remember Peter, one of the apostles turned away from Jesus at one point. He claimed he didn't even know him. He cursed in his name three times. He denied him. But then after Jesus rose from the dead, he fully repented himself. Actually, maybe even did it before. I think he even did it before when Jesus walked by just after he was cursing and swearing, saying he didn't know Jesus. The Bible tells us that their eyes met each other. And I think in Jesus' eyes, he saw compassion, love, and forgiveness. Because I think if he would have seen condemnation and Jesus looking at him like you are lost without hope of eternal life, I think Peter would have maybe gone and done what Judas did. Maybe he would have went and hung himself. But the fact that he didn't shows that in Jesus' eyes, he knew that there was forgiveness in Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose from his sins, Peter fully changed. He was transformed. He was born again. So much so that he wrote a book in part to tell us how to be born again. Because you hear about being born again, and that sounds so ethereal. What on earth does that mean? But then he tells us in the first book he wrote called First Peter. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, he tells us exactly in one sentence how to be born again. He says this. He says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Peter tells us you are born again by the word of God. So I'll repeat myself one more time. How are we born again? It is by the word of God. And just like this atheist helped me to be born again, 
because he got me into the Bible. Actually, once again, it was purely selfish on my part to read the Bible. And I'll be honest with you. When I began reading it, I don't even think I really enjoyed it. You know why? Because that's normal. Because I wasn't born again. But the Bible tells us when we are born again, we actually get to the point where it is a blessing to us. We do enjoy it, where you read the word of God and it is a thrill to your soul, but you can't make that happen. That is, as we spend time in God's word, he changes us. And so if you don't like reading the Bible, don't think, well, I can't do it because that's hypocritical. No, that's how you're born again, by spending time in God's word, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform you by the renewing of your mind as you're reading and spending time meditating and reading the word of God. And speaking of this issue of being born again, James who wrote one of the simplest books in the Bible. If you ever really feel confused reading the Bible, go read the book of James. Most of what he says, like 98% of it is like, oh, that makes perfect sense. You aren't beating around the bush, James. You aren't giving us all kinds of uh, you know, ethereal ideas. It was just concrete. And James says this in James 1, 17 and 18. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Every good gift comes from God. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And then it says this, of his own will, of God's will, he begat. That's an old term for gave birth. Of his own will begat he us, or he gave birth to us with the word of truth. So how are we birthed into God's kingdom? Through the word of truth. If we want to be born again. And guess what? God wants more than anything that every one of us will be born again. You might have had the false conception that God wants you to be lost because you're just not very spiritual. But the Bible actually tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3 that God is not willing that any should perish. And that includes you. He wants you to be saved. It says of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So we become a special child of God through spending time in his word. Multiple times the Bible tells us how to be born again and it is through the word of God. And so Jesus talking to Nicodemus, he was the living word of God. He was literally the living, breathing word of God, speaking face to face with Jesus. And you said, oh, I wish Jesus would have spoken face to face with me. The good news is he will. We are all going to see him someday. Every one of us, whether we follow him as our savior or as, whether we reject him, someday he will speak face to face with us. And at that time, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The father Philippians two tells us. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and we can hear, we can bow and confess to him with a heart full of love at that time if we allow him to change our heart today. If we will spend time with him daily in his word, we can allow him to change us as we yield our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself said in that beautiful passage, one of the most beautiful passages in scripture, outside of maybe, well, all the other parts about Jesus. <laughs> but in John chapter 15, verse three, Jesus speaking about, uh, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He says in verse three of John chapter 15, now you are clean. How? 
how can we be cleansed? Because we're born sinners, remember? We're born of the flesh with all these filthy, earthly thoughts of selfishness. And then he says in John 15, verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You may remember in Psalms 119, verse 9, where it asks that great question, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto or by paying attention, by paying heed thereto according to thy word. How can a young man, how can a human cleanse their way? By paying attention to the word of God. And then verse uh, Psalms 119, verse 11 says, my word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What a beautiful thought. And Jesus says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Oh, that we would all have atheists make us look like fools so that we can. Even if you go to the word of God in selfishness, God can use just that desire to change your life. And I'm not saying that if if you went to God's word for the first time out of pure you know, decency and a heart full of love. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for that. But many times people go to the word of God for selfishness. They don't want to go to hell. But you don't get to go to heaven just because you don't want to go to hell. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross for us. And that we can receive him as our personal savior. That he can help us turn away from our sins, repent, confess our sins. We can be born again. We can be cleansed through the word of God which is spoken unto us. I want to close with a story. You may have heard it before, but it's such a great story. It's a testimony from Pastor Mark Finley. Some of you probably heard that name before. He had a man come to his evangelistic meetings. This man somehow was a biker. I think he might've been even in a biker gang. And if you've ever seen those folks, they're typically tough looking people. I imagine him with, you know, maybe a beard, shaved head, leather jacket, and I think he did have this leather jacket coming to these meetings. Somehow, someway, it's funny how the spirit moves. The spirit moves. One of my good friends was, was a drug dealer. And he was, go he was driving by a tent meeting, an evangelistic tent meeting. He had $5,000 cash in his pocket as, as a part of his drug dealing. He had drugs in the trunk of his car ready to go deal it. And somehow he saw an evangelistic meeting there. And as he saw this evangelistic meeting, he went in. And that particular night, a young man at that time was named David Ashrick. This was a number of years ago. He was quite young at the time. Not that he's that old today, but he was quite young at the time. And there he was. He was preaching. And he made this appeal. Give your life to Jesus. Stand up. Give your life to Jesus and be cleansed. And my friend, his name's Matt Parra. Matt thought to himself, He'd been living a life of sin, sin, a drug dealer, sleeping with prostitutes. And there he was feeling totally filthy. And he thought, how could I stand? How could I stand as filthy as I am? I just, I, I don't think I'm worthy to stand up and have Jesus forgive me. But then a thought came to Matt. He thought, what if I stood up? And what if Jesus could make me feel clean? for just one minute. What if he could make me feel clean for just one minute? And then he thought, then standing up would be worth it. And he stood up and gave his life to Jesus. 
And he is a minister today in Australia. And he, to me, is one of the most powerful speakers on the word of God that I've ever heard. And I'll tell you what. God can change our lives no matter what we've done. He can cleanse us. But back to Bucky. Bucky was a, in this motorcycle gang, he was, he, he literally on a weekend, no joke. He would like to go to the bar and get drunk and he would love to get in fights. Some people just love a good fight. And some people, when they get drunk, they get more angry and Bucky might've been that kind, but he would literally get drunk. He would take a glass beer bottle. He would smash it over the table there at the bar and he would literally stick it into somebody's face, cut somebody up with a beer bottle. Those are the kind of people Jesus loves to save. You know what? He loves to save all sinners. And if you don't think you're that evil, well, your heart is carnal like that. You just maybe weren't born into a situation or raised in a situation that made you like that. But you would have done the very same thing given the same circumstances. If you don't believe that, well, you probably would have. I, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. I won't go on. But nevertheless, so Bucky, what happened? He ends up, he comes to this somehow, some way he comes to an evangelistic meeting. There's Mark Finley preaching night after night. It's stirring his heart. The Holy Spirit is working on Bucky. As he hears the word of God, he's ex experiencing a born again experience. But one particular night, there was a skinny guy with glasses. I don't know, maybe he looked like me. It wasn't me. You get the idea. Some, some skinny guy, some kind of intellectual came to the meeting and began to argue with Pastor Mark Finley. He even began to insult him. And Bucky's standing off to the side watching this guy insult the minister that has been a part of Jesus' work and changing his life. And after this guy insults him, then he sticks his finger in Mark Finley's face. Finally, Mark Finley turns to Bucky. He sees him there, this big biker. And he says, Bucky, would you take care of that guy for this guy for me? And Bucky looks at this giant biker guy. And, you know, you can imagine that's kind of, kind of scary. And this hulk of a man, Bucky, walks up towering over the skinny little guy. And he says, listen, mister, you better be happy that there's a God. Because a few weeks ago, if you would have come and stuck your finger in a friend's face like this in one of my friend's faces and insulted him like that. If you would have done that two weeks ago, I would have grabbed you. I would have taken you out back and I would have had my way with you. He said, you better be happy that there's a God. Because now all I want to do is hug you. And he just reached out and he gave him a big old bear hug. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen? How does within days a man go from liking to shove a glass bottle into somebody's face and cutting them to making him want to hug a guy who's insulting his friend? That's impossible. It is impossible. With men, it is impossible. But not with God, Jesus said, for with God, all things are possible. The word of God changed Bucky's life. The spirit of God changed Bucky's life. Friends, we need, if you have never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, I would challenge you to ask him right now, Jesus, come into my life. Would you forgive me for all I have done? 
And would you make me a follower of you and cleanse me, help me to experience being born again. And I would challenge you day by day to spend time in his word. It's what changed my life and it's what still is changing my life. And friends, I would challenge you. Walk with Jesus day by day. Invite Jesus into your life. Die daily to self. Begin each day with him and his word. Allowing that word to cleanse us. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Let us close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Bucky's. And really, all of us were a bunch of Bucky's. Sure, maybe we all didn't do what he did as a, a big old biker. But we all have our own sins. And some of us may not think our own sins are so bad. But Father, I pray that you would help us to repent. That we would be transformed. That we like Peter, though we have sinned and we may feel ashamed like we don't deserve forgiveness, may we recognize that the eyes of Jesus looking down at us are not eyes of hatred and anger, but they are eyes of compassion and love, willing to forgive at this very moment. Not waiting till we get everything right, but willing to forgive right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your love in the name of of Jesus we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.